it is a joy and a privilege to open the god's word this morning um, on the 3rd of october as we begin this month uh, i wanted us to look at something that we know but we may not know enough we all know emmanuel is god with us but what is the context of emmanuel it is that is that is a key if you look at i want us to look at daniel today daniel the book of daniel daniel begins with the captivity of god's people youngsters are taken away nebuchadnezzar the babylonian king ransacks jerusalem on the way back from a battle he has with assyria just for the heck of it he ransacks jerusalem he didn't come to fight jerusalem on the way back to babylon he attacks jerusalem takes the golden vessels from the temple and takes royal youngsters many out of that we have this this narrative of four youngsters daniel is probably around 15 years of age at that time it's probably 605 bc and uh, he was born 620 bc this is 605 and he is a slave taken to babylon that's a context just imagine your kingdom lost your country is now a slave nation the king has been defeated the royal family is killed probably his family was also killed and you're a slave and here you are the slave of the greatest empire at that time the greatest king ruling the nation and how does it look look like to live in that context everything that you know has failed your god the greatest identity of god's people is god and God's temple is ransacked, and God's golden vessels are gone. And all this, when everything negative has happened around you, you probably feel left alone. You probably are experiencing a season of abandonment by even God Himself. god is silent why is god silent why has not god done anything about this emperor who has ravaged our nation and here as a young boy of 15 he is standing in the palace palace of that king and the king is trying to change his name trying to change his religion trying to change his lifestyle 
it is in that context of everything going against we are going to see how god reveals his plan see that's a context of daniel okay and then something happens they start proving themselves by abstaining from the king's table just vegetables give us and they better and then the king see slowly stages being set and the king has a dream and he forgets that dream he wants to know the be reminded of the dream and he wants to know the meaning of the dream and he calls his wise men from all over the place and they are the best wise men you have to remember he is the greatest king of the greatest empire ever will he have a second best advices no his wise men will be the best of the world and they from all over the world and when told he's insisting that they tell him otherwise he's going to kill them he's never asked this before no king has ever asked they say that why is god setting a stage impossible for the wise men you have to realize god is dumbing down the wise men he's creating a situation where only daniel can rise and see what the wise men are telling the king chapter 2 verse 10 the chaldeans answered the king and said there is not a man on earth who could declare the matters for the king in as much as no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any magician conjurer or chaldean moreover the thing which the king demands is difficult and there is no one else who could declare it to the king except gods whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh they've been very honest face to death they've been very honest they say what you're asking only god can reveal and god doesn't dwell with men only a man in whom god dwells can reveal this to you if it is in the most plain the most explainable honest way that this is something that can only be done by god and god is not with man see how honest they are they have identified the problem this revelation needs god and god is not with man and god is not with us not not only with us he is not with any man in that context raises daniel see the stage is set for daniel God is creating a stage. They say the one thing that Daniel has, God with us, Emmanuel. There is a group of youngsters proving themselves to God, their allegiance to God, in simple things of life, and God is with them. See, this is about two thousand six hundred six hundred and. 24 years ago okay okay this is about bc uh 6602 bc 
But the context is still the same. The world around, the best of the world, the wise of the world, the powerful of the world are saying, God is not with us. God is not with me. I'm not able to do it because God is not with me. I want to tell you, that is your privilege and my privilege. Emmanuel, of all the names that God could have chosen to give to his son, Jesus and Emmanuel, two names. Emmanuel, God with us. It's not a theology. It cannot be a, it can begin as a theology. It can begin as a teaching that the last generation teaches to the next generation or a pastor teaches to the congregation. God with us. It's a truth. It's a, it's a faith statement. It is our belief. But it has to go beyond that into a war cry. In fact, I say that Emmanuel is the winning difference between winning and losing. See, when somebody wins a race, they say, by this, this person won. By this difference in life, that is the difference. Emmanuel is the difference between winning and losing. Because of Emmanuel, you win. See, not just in a spiritual area of life, in all areas of life. When God dwells with you, you win. In spite of your weakness, in spite of your uh, lack of strength or ability, God puts you ahead. So I want to challenge you this morning. Is Emmanuel just a faith statement for you? Just a belief for you? Or has it become your war cry? your winning advantage. See, actually, uh, it goes back. Long ago, the whole word, word, word of God is full of this. Genesis chapter 21. There's an interesting passage. Genesis chapter 21, verse 22 and 23. This is Abraham and um, you know, now it came about at that time, Abimelech and Thikol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or my offspring or with my posterity. But according to the kindness that I have shown to you, you shall show to me and to the land in which you have sojourned. See, the king, the enemy of Abraham, actually, they're afraid of Abraham. He and his army commander come and ask for an agreement of peace from Abraham. Why? Emmanuel. They see God with God, Emmanuel is dwelling with Abraham. And they're saying that their own word, God is with you in all that you do. Whatever you do, it's a success. Man can't do it like that. 
we've been observing you. Your God is with you, unlike our God. Emmanuel, Abraham. And it goes on. You, you see that in 26th chapter, the same thing happens to Isaac. 26, 26. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with his advisor, Ahuzat, and Fikol, the commander of his army. Isaac said to him, why have you come to me since you hate me and sent me away from you? They said, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, let there now be an oath between us, even between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will not do us no harm. Yeah. You know, that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. Generation later, same thing, same fear. God without us, God is not with us. AC, God with us. God is with Isaac. God is with you. And they want peace. They're afraid. See the winning difference. Winning difference. In the midst of crisis, that's what I want to say. In the midst of turmoil, Abraham is, in a, is sojourning in a foreign land. Isaac is in a foreign land. The cont Daniel is in a foreign land. In fact, slave in a foreign in a kingdom. It is in, in the context of being abandoned, being in situation where you think, is God there? Situations are all right to see where is God? In the midst of that, the enemy says, you are strong because God is with you. And they want peace with you. And God reveals the dream of king to you. And through it to all. Through it to all. That God is with you. See, Exodus chapter 33. We have, just before that, you know, people of Israel have again done idolatry. They've they built a golden calf. God's angry. He says, I'll not go with you, chapter 33. I'm just paraphrasing it. I send my angel with you. He says in chapter 3, go to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst because you are obstinate people and I might destroy you on the way. The previous verse, I will send you, send an angel before you. And I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, Hivite, and the Jebusite. He's saying, I'll send my angel. I won't go. Okay. See what Moses says in chapter 33. Chapter 33, verse 14. And he said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight? 
I and your people is not by your going with us, so that we and I and your people may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth. What is the distinguished difference between Israel and all the other people? God with us. It's here. Is it not by your going with us that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all other people who are upon the face of the earth? The, all the other people and God's people difference is God is with God's people. Others have to go to a place to seek, to worship. But this great God, one who created everything, is dwells among his people. You need to go to your idols. Others, I mean, that's what Moses is saying. Others have to go to their temples and their idols made of stone and wood and clay and metal. But you, the one true God, dwell amongst your people. See, the context of Emmanuel is in the midst of hardship. It's not at the time of everything going right. In the midst of, we are a slave people. To be a nation, not yet a nation. We don't have a land. We are in the midst of strangers who are against us. We are wanderers. Daniel, slain in the greatest empire. But in the midst of that, Emmanuel becomes their greatest asset. See, you and I have Daniel's experience to teach us this. His name is Emmanuel. The world is in the midst of a great crisis. The crisis is going to only get worse. The financial crisis is going to hit like a tsunami. Nations are not prepared. Even the wealthy nations are afraid. Even the wealthy are afraid. All over the world, people are afraid of turbulence. In nations where there are weapons, people are buying weapons. Nations are buying weapons. Citizens are buying weapons. Wealthy people are buying weapons. Buying things to protect themselves. They think that will save them. But I want to tell you, you and I have the greatest difference. The winning difference. Emmanuel. We don't have to be afraid. We may be like Daniel. Your king lost, kingdom lost, temple desecrated. Pagan empire is ruling. Gold gone. You're in a foreign land. You're actually castrated. You don't can't have a dream of family. And you are standing in the presence of the ruthless king. Pagan king that's trying to make you a pagan citizen. In the midst of that, Emmanuel, Emmanuel becomes your identity. In the later chapters, we don't have time. He, the king says, God of Daniel. 
God of Shadda, God of Abhatnika, God of Nature. The king says, you see, this is the true God. I don't know this God. The only way I can describe this God of Shadda, God of Nature, God of Abhatnika. Later on, Darius says the same thing about Daniel. Darius, another king, the mean, he says, God of Daniel has rescued him. And he pronounces it to the whole world. Nebuchadnezzar sends this message to the whole world. Chapter 4, verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the key to all people, nations, and men of every language that live in all the earth, may your peace abound. He's the ruler of the whole world. It has seemed good to me to declare the signs and wonders which the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Israel did not win. Israeli king did not come back. The temple was not restored. In fact, the temple was further burnt and devastated. But what would have been right in Daniel's eyes would have been Israel restored, Israeli kingdom back, the king back, all the temple back and all the vessels, the golden holy vessels that Solomon made and consecrated should be back in the temple and I should be back. And that's the ideal world that we want. But see what God does. God's idea of, of success was different. He brought four boys, many boys out of that four chose to prove God. And with them, he is teaching this greatest empire, the great I am. He is making the king. The king is proclaiming God here. Not his pagan God. Pro proclaiming the Hebrew God here. Yahweh here. God of verse 28 of chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. God of Shadrach. God of Meshach. <laughs> He says, therefore, in 29, therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and the house is reduced to a rubbish heap. Inasmuch there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. Same thing Darius says later on. In chapter 6, he again writes to the nations. When, when Darius the king, then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations and men everywhere of every language who are living in all the land. May your peace abound and I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues, performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? Emmanuel, 
in the context of failure, what looks like failure, what appears like all the wrong things. In the midst of that, your business may be in its worst place, your marriage, your home, your health, your situation, your workplace, whatever, your relationship. In the midst of that, the winning difference, Daniel's shows, everybody, God's people show, is Emmanuel. In the midst of that, God comes and assures his people, I am with you. In the midst of fear, God comes and says, you're not alone, I am with you. And that is the challenge I want to leave with you this morning. The challenge of Emmanuel. It begins as a faith. It begins as a theology. It begins as the word of God taught to you. But it cannot remain there. It can begin there. But it has to become your experience, your trust, your hope. In fact, I would say it has to become your weapon. It has to become your war cry. Moses shows, I will not leave this place. They're in the middle of a desert, in the middle of enemies. And God says, I'm going to take you there. Remove all your enemies and give their land to you. He says, no, I don't want that. I'm not going with your angel. I want you. That's the difference between other people and our. Us, God, their God goes, our God goes with us. That's what they're talking. Don't settle for less. Moses could have settled for less. I'll take the angel because God is saying, I'll give you the lands with the angel. The angel can go with you. He said, no, I don't want the second best. Don't go. Don't leave your house. Don't leave. If God is not with you, it's going to be failure anyway. It's going to be emptiness. Until you know God is with you, God is going, the winning difference is not going to happen. Winning difference happens when God is with us. Hold on to that. Don't, don't settle for the angel. Don't settle for promises of God now with me, brother. No. The one who promised needs to be with you. Shall we pray? Father God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for life. We thank you for your word that teaches us, Emmanuel. God with us. Thank you for the saints gone before us who have practiced this in the midst of their crisis. So held on to Emmanuel, even when the circumstances showed that they were desperate, alone, and Looked like God had forgotten them. But they stood and they waited. They waited. They trusted. And you showed up in the midst of the fire. You showed up, Lord. Not once, not twice. All through human history, you have delivered your people when they waited for you. No one is ashamed when they wait for you. Father, we bless your name. I pray that you go with these, your children, into their challenges, even this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.